The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Become our friend on Facebook. Post on our wall your thoughts about our shows and network. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. today's economic climate, it's very hard to know what to do with your money. Every financial move is a choice. Sometimes they are good choices, and you will reap the rewards of success. Sometimes there are bad choices, which can leave you in financial ruin if you make too many. Welcome to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. Our program will help you to make the good choices and avoid the bad. Now, here is Gordon Bennett. Good afternoon and welcome to the program, Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Issues of Life. Today I have with me Stephanie Skaggs, who has a very interesting uh, tale to tell and experiences to share. You know, it's Christmas time, and a lot of people have the idea that maybe their New Year's resolution should be, I think I want to start my own business. And so I'm going to let Stephanie tell you, how she went from an ordinary corporate America employee into helping others start their business, starting her own business, and has a lot to offer in the way of advice. Stephanie, I'm going to turn it over to you. Good afternoon. How are you today, Gordon? I am just wonderful. Winter has come. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's due to happen every year, so don't be surprised. (laughs) How did you get doing what you're doing? Well, I'll tell you, um, I am what you call a serial entrepreneur, and for the last 15 years, I've been self-employed and have had a number of businesses that I've either started myself or I have uh, started with partners. And it's uh, I have kind of a variety of different business uh, experiences that I had, but really, how I started in this whole thing was that I was employed by a company and they gave me the wonderful option of either moving to Los Angeles from Albuquerque or not having a job. So I decided to take the latter, and um, I was uh, basically then thrown into the world of being unemployed. But I decided that I would start my own business, essentially doing what I had been doing for this other company, but now I was going to basically have my own company and, and do it on my own for myself. So that's what I did. That's how I started my first business is that I basically was an outsource of what I had been doing for another company. And, of course, at that time it, there wasn't a term outsourcing. But now, looking back on it, that's really what I did. When you did that, did the company that you left give you your first business, or did you have to go get some other business? No, actually, they did not give me my first business. I went and uh, I had been, um, you know, in contact with a number of other companies, and so I actually secured my first contracts with these other companies instead. So it wasn't with the company that I left. About how long did that take? You know, I had been um, had a really good network while I was working for the other companies, so I actually had contracts uh, lined up pretty much from the get-go. 
So when I first started my company, I already had contacts in place. Um, I was able to secure contracts. Um, I actually hired another employee that from the company that I had been working for. And uh, so basically with that, uh, you know, I was off and running. So the thing that crosses my mind is that you did not have a non-compete contract with your old company. I did not. I did not have yeah. a non-compete. And, and, you know, I wasn't doing something that, com- that was in competition anyway. So even if I had, it wouldn't have mattered. I, I was not doing something that would have violated a non-compete agreement. Yeah, that just came to mind when you mentioned that, as I uh, know that that's one of the things one has to be very careful of. All right, let me give you an idea. Uh, suppose I am introduced to you, I've just met you, and I say, good, you're going to give me advice on how to start my own business. Where do we start? Well, I'll tell you, this whole concept of outsourcing, I think, right now is very apropos because a lot of larger companies who want to downsize because they don't want the um, overhead of having employees, they are laying people off, and they have laid people off over the last, you know, four or five years, which is one of the reasons that our economy is like it is. But essentially, these companies, they do want to have the functions or the tasks done that these employees used to do. And so they are, like I termed it, outsourcing to other individuals as independent contractors that do a lot of the same kind of work that employees used to do. So I think if you're thinking about starting your own business and you have the possibility of outsourcing what you do to other companies, it's a great way to do it, essentially becoming an independent contractor, doing the same sort of tasks that you might have done before and doing it for, you know, even previous employers or, um, you know, uh, employers, uh, maybe their competition even if you don't have a non-compete agreement. So that's one of the things that, uh, you know, people are thinking about starting their own business because maybe they don't have a job right now. Think if there's a possibility that you might be able to outsource what you did for your employer to uh, that employer as an independent contractor. So that gives you the advantage of then you already have the skills in place to do uh, what you've been doing, and it's just a logical extension of the uh, work you have been doing. I know my cousin, for example, is a quality control engineer, and he's worked for a lot of different companies as an independent contractor, and then they get acquired and he goes and finds another one. Yep. But what if uh, what if there's no opportunity to outsource? Let's suppose I had been making uh, buggy whips and I want to be a baker. Uh, what are some of the personality attributes or uh, things that you need to think about before you get into that kind of a business situation? Well, there definitely are some personality traits that lend themselves to small business owners. And I think that probably the number one uh, personality trait is that you have to have a passion for whatever you're going to be in business doing. Um, because, you know, you need to have that passion, which helps you to get the drive in order to, you know, kind of face the hard times because there are always going to be bumps in the road, um, you know, when you're a small business owner. That just comes with the territory. So you have to have a passion for what you're doing. I think a couple of the other personality traits that you need is you have to be a self-starter. You have to be self-directed. You have to kind of be able to, um, you know, wake up each day and, and have the, um, you know, mental fortitude to make your own decisions about what you're going to do for that day and not rely on somebody else to tell you what you're going to do. So you have to be a self-starter. 
Uh, one of the other ones is just to be persistent and committed to stay the course of being a small business owner. Because if you've gone through the proper steps in analyzing the business that you've chosen um, in order to be in business doing, then really, you know, having the persistence and the commitment to say, I am on this path of small business ownership and I am going to do what it takes to make it succeed. And so I think that really persistence and, and being committed is another thing. Uh, and finally, I'd say, you know, being confident that you are doing something that will succeed. And, you know, sometimes that takes a lot of planning to make sure that you gain that confidence, um, you know, make sure that you have the experience and the skills. Those all build with confidence. Uh, so essentially, you know, being confident that you will succeed, I think, is another um, attribute or trait for a good small business owner. You know, I, I listen to you talk about those things. And uh, I have to agree that I remember when I had a small business, and that was years and years ago, and the old saying would be that we were looking up at the bottom of the hole. Uh, <laughs> things were not good in the early days, and we had to use all of those uh, personal traits or we would have been in great despair, and ultimately we were successful. But you got to keep trying. you got to keep plugging away. Is that always easy? Oh, definitely not. I mean, there are certainly times I remember, you know, in my my first business situation, like I said, I basically was in the technical consulting arena, so I was a service-oriented business. And I honestly, I was a very high profit margin company because of the services that we provided were in the aerospace industry, and so that's very technical, very high profit margin. Um, but to be honest with you, there were times when I was having cash flow problems and having trouble trying to figure out how I was going to meet my payroll and pay my, uh, you know, employees' travel expenses. And, you know, I had a lot of sleepless nights. And so if I had given up at that time and said, you know, oh, nope, this is just too hard, and if I didn't have the, the uh, you know, persistence and the ability to commit to what I was doing, I would have given up because there were a lot of times when it really did seem like it was too hard. But I persevered and figured out how to to meet those challenges with my cash flow situation. And, uh, you know, I did continue and and still do consulting in that area today. And I, I love it. It's just something that I really do have a passion for. You know, a lot of people saying it's very good to be your own boss and others saying they're tired of being their own boss. They wish somebody would tell them what to do. Uh it's a pro and con kind of a thing. Uh, I suppose you went through those same kind of uh, self-doubts, didn't you? Well, that, yeah, certainly there are times when, you know, if you're your own boss, especially if you have employees and, you know, you're kind of, your business is kind of responsible for their livelihood as well, it can be something that, you know, you can feel a lot of responsibility um, sometimes it can be an overwhelming feeling of responsibility when there's so many other people that are dependent upon you and your business for their livelihood. And so that that can sometimes be a little bit crushing, to be honest with you. And so, yeah, you do. And that's where having that feeling of, you know, confidence that, uh, you know, you're doing the right thing and that you are helping other people and you're helping them to be successful and to really support their livelihood is crucial to weather those times. Well, you know, you mentioned you have to have a passion for what you're doing. A couple of weeks ago I had the gentleman on the show who was talking about preparing for college. And 
the largest uh, number of students have a major called undecided. And he said those people end up working for a living and hating their jobs because they don't have any passion and that you should find your passion before you find your career. And so that that really resonated with me. All of the attributes you talked about, it still comes down to you got to like what you're doing. Right. Well, I think that's really true because it's true. If you think about it, if you are doing something that you're passionate for, you know, each day and you consider that your, your, uh, you know, your avocation, essentially, is that really then work? You know, if it's something that you love, yeah, you might get paid for doing it, but if you absolutely love what you're doing, it's not a drudgery. It's not, you know, a, a, a pain to have to go to work every day if it's doing something that you absolutely love. And so I agree with you. I have three um, college-age children, and I talk to them every single day about, you know, really, hey, find something that you love. You know, maybe take different classes that you didn't necessarily um, think that you would want to do, but in order to figure out what you're going to do for the rest of your life, it's a good idea to try different things. And you might stumble upon something that you didn't realize was a real passion of yours and, and uh, something that you desire doing. So uh, luckily, two out of the three of my kids, they pretty much had a direction right away. The third one is she's still trying to find her way. And, and so that's what I'm uh, you know, suggesting that she do is essentially, hey, try different things. or Think about what you love doing first and then see if you can make money doing it. Yeah, I will ratify that. I know in my own uh, personal life, I have an example. My wife spent 27 years in the pharmaceutical industry and rose to the level of vice president. The company was bought and she found herself out of work. So she went back and got her Ph.D. and she is now the head of the MBA program at a local university. They are paying her a pittance compared to what she used to make, but she loves what she's doing. And it's just a nice thing to see that she really likes the uh, new challenges. And it's not about the money. It's about really liking what she does. And she probably and, doesn't consider that work. You know, it's not a drudgery that she has to do that every day. It's, it's doing something that she really enjoys. So that's wonderful. We're going to come back after we take a short break here. I'm watching the clock a little bit. We're coming up on a quarter past the hour. And we'll take a short break now. Uh, I want to talk to you about some of the different businesses you've been involved with okay. when we get back. So I'll, we'll pick it up right there. This has been great. This is Gordon Bennett talking to you about money, jobs, health, and other things in life uh, with my guest, Stephanie Skaggs. Back in a few minutes. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with a passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben 32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. This is Gordon Bennett and my guest, Stephanie Skaggs, talking about starting your own business. Stephanie, uh, you know, I was reading some things about you the other day, and you said how to tell if you're willing to spend the time, money, and resources revealed to get your business working properly. How do you do that? Well, you know, Gordon, I actually, sometimes I ask that question in maybe a little bit different way, um, which helps to address the issue, and that is, you know, what are you willing to give up to get your business working properly? And by, you know, doing some soul-searching, you can often decide whether, number one, you're cut out to, you know, be a good business owner, but two is, you know, do you have really, what, you know, what it takes in order to move forward in being a, a small business owner? So what are you willing to give up? You know, is it your spare time? Is it maybe your life savings? Is it possessions that you've amassed or acquired over time? You know, it's it's really, because uh, sometimes you have to, like, sell your favorite boat or you have to be willing to roll over your retirement account into funds that you can pour into your business. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, what are you willing to give up in order to get your business off and working properly? You know, is it, what I, uh, is it time, you know? What I hear you saying is change is inevitable. If you are not happy doing what you're doing or you have to make a change, you're probably going to have to do something different, big different. Yeah. And what's that going to entail and what are you going to give up? Because you can't replicate exactly what you did have that you liked and you may lose a lot of benefits. I don't mean uh, employee benefits, but just uh, the idea of having to go to work and just punch the clock and when the day's up, you punch out. Right. Uh, it's not that simple. No. As a business owner, pretty much you're... You know, you're on the job a lot longer a lot of times, especially when you're first starting things off. Uh, you know, sometimes you have to work a lot more hours. Sometimes you have to wear a lot of different hats. You know, um, you may be doing what you, what you set out to do, but to get your business off and running, a lot of times you may have to be the janitor in your business, you know. Um, you may have to be the payroll clerk. You may have to... You know, do whatever you you set out to do for your business, but there's a lot of other tasks that, at least initially, sometimes business owners they have to do themselves. And I think that that's one of the things to recognize is that you know, as a small business owner, a lot of times you have to wear a lot of different hats. I was telling a story the other day. I uh, was diagnosed with cancer a year and a half ago, and uh, went to Cancer Treatment Center of America, mm-hmm. and I got to know the CEO quite well. And I was doing a class for them in finance, and I was talking to him, and I told him that I had met one of the janitors at a table I'd set outside of the cafeteria, and uh, he was interested in taking the class. And the CEO, the top man, said, you know, if I took a month's vacation, nobody would miss me. But if that janitor was gone one week, we'd have to close the hospital. Absolutely. He had the right perspective on how important the most mundane of tasks is. That and is it often falls the owner's lot or the CEOs or whoever 
to get those mundane tasks done. Maybe it's the busboy in a restaurant. You never know. Exactly. Yeah, I think that's exactly true. And, and you Tell know, me. it's interesting in terms of, you know, thinking about what you're willing to give up to make a business work. I actually had a couple that I was consulting with who were considering purchasing a, uh, a business from another um, set of, of individuals. And they had both been working for other people, and, you know, they were in their mid-50s and were looking at buying this business, like I said. So they had a really nice retirement nest egg. And when I asked them, you know, so what, what are you guys willing to put towards this business? What are you willing to give up? You know, you've got a nice retirement uh, nest egg. Are you willing to roll that into your business if need be? And they were like, oh, no, well, we, we can't, you know, we don't want to potentially lose that. And I thought right then, it's like, okay, this couple probably doesn't have what it takes. You know, they'd never been business owners themselves before, and I could just tell from their attitude they weren't really willing to give up much in order to be small business owners. Uh, you know, so- that, remi- that reminds me of a story that happened to me a long time ago when I was on the staff of a major accounting firm, and we were uh, consultants to a de novo bank, a bank that was getting started in the Silicon Valley, and it fell my lot to brief the new owners. And I talked to the board of directors about what was involved in starting up a successful bank. And I said, the first thing you have to do is you have to reach down in your pockets with both hands and put a lot of your own money on the table before you get started. And they voted that they didn't want to do that. And I said, you're never going to start this bank or it will fail because if you don't put your own money or have some skin in the game, it's a sure thing you're not going to make it. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, that whole thing about having skin in the game. And, you know, I I don't think it's it's apropos that people, you know, willy-nilly just invest money in a business. But, you know, if you've really checked it out, if you've looked at the business, analyzed it, are confident, again, that you're able to perform the tasks at hand, you should be willing to put some skin in the game. And so that would be a danger sign right away. If somebody wants to start a business but doesn't want to be at risk, they probably can't be risk-free and also start a business. That's I know I, I worked uh, several hundred hours a week in my business getting it started. Tell me about some of the businesses that you've been involved with. You help other people. You've gone beyond just being an entrepreneur. You said you were a serial entrepreneur, but you're also a help bait or a consultant to other businesses. Tell me about some of them. Yeah. So like I presented earlier in this interview, you know, the first business that I started was in the technical consulting arena for the um, fire protection and, and safety areas, mainly in the aerospace industry. And what I found, as I kind of alluded to, I was a very high profit margin business, but unfortunately I had some cash flow problems because I did a lot of contracting with, the federal government, for example, and they took forever to pay me. I was waiting sometimes 90 days in order to get paid. And we're talking, you know, several hundreds of thousands of dollars in some cases that I would be waiting to get paid on. So I was having cash flow problems, having trouble paying my employees, having trouble paying my expenses because we traveled quite a bit. And so I, at the time, I was looking for a way that would help to remedy my cash flow problems. I thought, oh, good, I'll just go get a line of credit with a bank, and that will help to tide me over on those 
periods where I'm waiting to get paid. What I found was that I was not bankable. I was a service business, and I was new, and so nobody would give me a loan. So at the time, I did a bunch of research trying to figure, okay, what is the solution to my cash flow problem? And I, I came across a method of financing in the very broad sense of the word called factoring, which is using my accounts receivables, which I had lots of, uh, with the federal government for in many cases. And so I basically was able to sell my invoices at a discount and generate fast cash that I was able to use to pay my employees, pay my expenses. But in the process of me trying to figure out what was going to be my solution and analyzing a bunch of the other options, you know, I gained some incredible knowledge. And with that, some of my other friends and business associates who had business owners, they were asking me, well, how'd you do it? And so I started teaching them about the methods, and uh, it kind of morphed into a side business where I was helping other businesses get business financing. And so I actually did start another company um, that helped to, you know, helped other business owners figure out what was the best business financing options for them. And that kind of transitioned into more kind of mainstream, like commercial mortgages and SBA loans that I help people get. Uh, so it's kind of, you know, just been a continual process of using my information, using the, the information that I have needed to acquire during my own business process and then being able to help other businesses that, uh, you know, need that same kind of information. You, you know, you mentioned factoring, and uh, factoring used to be a dirty word, but you mentioned something else about it. You have to have enough profit margins in your receivables to make that a viable concept. So a potential new business owner has to look at whether they're operating very close to the margin or whether they have enough to uh, cover the expenses of, say, financing the business. And that's another thing they have to consider at the time. That's exactly right. And, and now I spend a, a, you know, a lot of my consulting time with other small business owners to help them to figure out what is the best financing method because really we're kind of back into the the age of when I started my business where it's difficult to get a business loan or difficult to get more mainstream financing. And so um, I've actually put together a book that helps to uh, kind of work through the process of what are the options for a particular business and, you know, given what the the business owner is, do they have good credit, you know, do they have any other assets, what type of business is it, do they have something that they can use as collateral. It kind of helps to walk through the process of being able to figure out what are the best financing strategies to help a particular business because a lot of times just walking down to the local bank and putting in a loan application isn't going to do it. Yeah, I'll talk a little bit more about banking because I'm a old line banker and I have some things to share with our listeners today. And uh, you found uh, the truth in the fact that the banks aren't always the way to get financing for your business. Yeah. You, you've got to be very versatile. Um, something else was on my mind, and it just slipped my thought about your uh, helping other people. Uh-huh. Uh, oh, well, I'll come back to it. I'll sure. find out what it is. Uh Bank. Oh, I know what it was. I, it was the definition of why a business fails. Our pastor uh, had a seminar on one of those uh, businessmen you know, luncheons or something, and 
I came up with a very simple solution. A business fails because it runs out of money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if you don't have the money, you can't keep the business going. That's right. And, and that isn't necessarily a sign that it's not profitable. I mean, that was my situation in the first business that I started. I was very profitable, but I didn't have the money at the right time. Yeah. So you have to consider that. That that's, catches a lot of people by surprise, uh, that if you run out of cash, you're out of business. Right. And if you can figure out a way to keep that cash coming in, uh, that's really worth your time. Yeah. Well, understanding the, uh, the difference between cash flow and profitability. Yeah. Profitability is an accounting concept. Cash flow is hard stuff in your hands. That's right. That's the that's the real proof in the pudding, isn't it? And you got to pay the payroll and do those things. And if you don't take care of everybody, they aren't going to be there very long. That's right. So uh, I see that it's half past again. Uh, this quarter hour has gone incredibly fast. Uh, when we come back from the break, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about more about banks and share a couple of my thoughts in banking with you. And I still want to get to some of the other kind of businesses that you helped. So this is Gordon Bennett, and I'm in the program. And I mean, if your book is published, I'd like to you to uh, tell us where we can get a copy of that. And uh, But my show here is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Issues of Life. And we'll be right back with our guest, Stephanie Skaggs. the boardroom to you voice america business network is your business model robust enough in today's ever-changing business environment people are working to transform themselves their futures and their business tune in to business reinvention with your host nancy lynn to stay ahead of the game in business you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization with nancy's experience and that of her guest experts you'll learn from stories of inspiration innovation and forward thinking listen for business reinvention live every monday at 4 p.m pacific time 7 p.m eastern time on the voice america business channel everybody needs expert advice when they look to develop their personal brand Join Rochelle McCrary for The Leader and the Muse. Rochelle and her guests will bring you practical tips and tools to help you build your brand in ways that propel you into greater personal and business success. For strategies, stories, and much more, tune in to the Voice America Business Channel every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time for The Leader and the Muse. And get ready to take your brand to the next level. Voice America Business Network. The bottom line in business. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Hello again, folks. This is Gordon Bennett with my guest, Stephanie Skaggs, uh, talking about her adventures of life, I think. Uh, it is just amazing what you've done and how you've helped other people. Let's talk a little bit about banking. Uh, 
I have some experience in banking, having been a senior vice president of a couple of banks. And uh, tell me, what did the bank tell you when you first started out wanting to run your own business? Well, when I uh, approached the bank, you know, I had excellent credit. And um, so I thought, oh, this will be a no-brainer. I'd never been denied a loan previously. And, you know, I bought houses and bought cars and all that kind of stuff. But when I approached them for a business loan, a business line of credit, which would be um, unsecured because I didn't have any business assets, my company was uh, a service company. It was basically the only property I had was my intellectual property. And so they said that I was not a good credit risk, even though I had excellent credit, um, that because I didn't really have anything that they could secure it with, and I was a new business, so I didn't have a track record, that they they basically turned me down for financing. Um, you know, I have uh, talked to a lot of people who have uh, been turned down by banks, including myself, and I finally discovered what it was all about. And that is the purpose of collateral. You know, the banker wants to be protected. The banker isn't in the business of running your business. And most people misunderstand what collateral is for. The collateral is not for the banker to repossess. The banker doesn't want uh, the things that you think are valuable. He wants you to think that they are so valuable, you will do anything to keep them from getting it. That's why Grandma's house is not good collateral because you can't throw her out. The public yeah. wouldn't let you. So they won't take collateral. They'll tell you, have Grandma borrow the money and lend it to you. So that is really at the heart of things. And bankers do a lousy job of explaining that. They aren't running your business. They don't want the collateral. They don't sell real estate. They don't uh, have a card shop or whatever. So if you don't have any collateral and you're just starting out, you're really, as, a, as they would say, out to lunch. Right. And, but there's, there's another reason banks say no. And people don't understand that very much. Sometimes the bank says no because they're already into that business enough times that they don't want some more. Maybe the examiners have said, you've got enough motel loans or enough consulting loans or what have you. And they just are not allowed to make any more. Uh, that's another reason why banks turn you down. Uh, they don't understand the business. They don't have somebody who's in the business of, say, pig farming. And uh, so they're going to turn you down just because it's easier. They don't get punished for turning you down. They only get punished if you don't pay them back. Yep. Yep, exactly. Well, when I started my company asset financing group in 2000, um, what I found was that, you know, essentially a lot of times bankers, they don't really – because. They're not in business for themselves. In fact, there's very few bankers that have ever been in business for themselves. Gordon, you're a, you're a uh, kind of an anomaly there. Um, and, and so because of that, I think a lot of bankers don't really understand about how to analyze a business and what the risks really are. Uh, so they kind of have a checklist that their, um, you know, that their underwriters may uh, give to them or that their bank policy may provide them or that the regulators may provide to them. But... You know, essentially, I think you hit on a really key point as well, is that banks kind of go through different lending cycles. And it may have to do with whether they're heavy into an industry in terms of the loans that they've made, or it may be in their audit cycles, right, so that they have more of an appetite for lending depending on where they are in their audit cycles. 
And so when I had asset financing group and we were going full tilt and I was helping a lot of other businesses get financing, one of my main jobs was to know which banks and which lenders were making loans on what types of lending situations. And I would say I I probably spent a third to a half of my time just keeping a pulse on, you know, the lending institutions and who was making loans on what. That's very good advice to anybody uh, getting ready to start out a business. Get to know the bankers and get to know which banks lend to which kind of businesses. But we're really back to the beginning, which is you have to be a self-starter. You've got to be persistent. You've got to be confident, and you can't be depressed by the banker saying no. Yeah. Now, I'm going to give you another tip, and you maybe have already given this. Having been a banker, we always wanted to get everybody's uh, business and all of their business. I have told countless businesses, have at least two banks. Cultivate the relationships as you become successful. Tell the banker, when you're successful, tell them the truth if you're unsuccessful, too, by the way, because they can help you. But if you get two banks, I use the example if you ran a laundry, you wouldn't have just one person supplying you with soap because they might take a vacation. Well, one bank may have to say, no, you want another bank at the ready. Maybe you just finance a truck with them or maybe you uh, do something at home with them. But keep relationships with two or more banks and they'll be a better bank for you. They'll uh, know that they're competing with the other bank, but they also you also know that you are protected in your business. Have you had any experience doing that? Definitely. And one of the other points that I would raise is that to establish business credit, and that's a really key thing because a lot of business owners, especially when they're first starting out, they their whole um, biz, well their whole credit scenario is based on their personal credit. And so if you're trying to expand and you're trying to even or sell your business or whatever, if all your credit history for your business is based on your personal credit, then you may have a hard time. So I recommend that business owners establish a business credit that is separate from their personal credit and, you know, develop a business credit score and get business credit, even if it's through vendors like, you know, Office Max or, um, you know, Lowe's commercial or whatever to start building business credit it's very important that's a really good piece of advice um a, a lot of people do business uh, out of their back pocket so to speak and they don't do that and as you said as you're becoming successful the w- way you can become even more successful is to have access to money yeah and uh that business credit is really worthwhile right uh, i've i've seen so many startups where it's been financed on their credit cards at home but that didn't establish any uh, business credit. So that, and you can do that quite easily, doing well, things like Gordon, that. Well, I must say that it's you have to do it diligently. It doesn't come automatically like personal credit does. Business credit, you have to make sure that, for example, if you're getting a, a credit card that you're going to use for your business, and if you don't apply specifically to get a business credit card, you're actually getting a personal credit card, especially if you have to use your own personal social security number. You're getting a personal credit card that may have the name of your business on there. So it's, and that does not help you to build business credit. So you have to do it, you have to do it purposefully. It doesn't happen automatically. 
You have to do it purposely and regularly, and you're, you're absolutely right. You should go into your bank and say, I want to establish some business credit. What would you recommend I do? And then do it. The same with the, uh, like Staples, I want a business account at your store. Right. And then you, you systematically and deliberately over time build it up a little bit at a time. Yep. And, and not drop back on the other, uh, uh, your personal credit. Right. Right. It's hard. Financing is probably one of the biggest challenges of uh, business, I think, is getting enough money to run a business. What are some of the other things besides money that you run into? Why do businesses fail besides money? Well, I think uh, sometimes businesses fail because the business owners, um, you know, they think that they don't need help or they don't need advice or they don't need training or, you know, um, an enhancement of their skills that it's okay to ask for advice. It's okay to have mentors, you know, to, to kind of put you on the, the right path. And so a lot of times, you know, an entrepreneur, a small business owner, like I said, they need to be self-directed, but they can't be too arrogant to think that they know everything. And, uh, you know, to get additional training and and advice and mentors is is a perfect and absolutely okay thing to do. I've put that down on the list you've just given us at the beginning of the show, the personal traits, the willingness to get uh, outside help. Yeah. If if you don't know something, if change is coming your way and you need outside help, you better get it quick. You yeah. probably need a good accountant. You need a good attorney. Uh, but you can't completely go it alone in this complex environment that we're in today right right in fact, but you also I, sorry go ahead i was gonna say Your i turn. have a questionnaire on my website that is kind of 10 questions that i suggest people ask of themselves to really do some soul searching before they decide to start a business um, and that's one of the questions is you know do you have a good team of people that you can count on to give you advice whether that be an accountant or a, you know a, a an attorney or, um, you know, a financing person or, you know, do you need specific skills in a particular area for your business and do you have those resources available to you? So that's certainly one of the questions that I recommend that people ask themselves. Um, well, let's way, get can your... I give, can I give the website? That the, you you can give it again and again and again. Okay. I want people to have all of the benefit of what you know. So yeah. let's have your website. Yeah, the, and there's a lot of other free information there, and it's at wwwtop 10 financing.com and that's the number 10 so top10financing.com there's lots of free information there I uh, just uh, you know it, I suggest people go there and just suck up as much as you can yeah the web is a wonderful thing and people like you to take their time and put it on and share it with other people is really a great thing now you said you wrote a book too yes I did I wrote a book and it really helps people to kind of navigate through this whole financing question it's called Get Business Financing Now, How to Get on the Fast Track to Raising Capital for Your Company. And, again, they can go to my website there, and uh, it's currently pre-pressed, but they can, uh, you know, look at the specifics of the book and do a pre-order if they want to. Um, but, like I said, there's a lot of other free information on my website, and uh, just, like I said, I want to be able to be a, as much of a resource to people to navigate this financing uh, situation and to decide about uh, being a small business owner that I can. Well, you know, that that's to be commended, too, because uh, you get small business owners together. They always are looking out for helping each other. There's some competition, of course, but rarely there's uh, 
the competition the factor. They always try to help people and give people tips. So that uh, website is www.top10, the number 10, top10financing.com, and you can download a lot of things there. And a book will be coming out, Get Business Financing Now, from Stephanie Skaggs. I see that we have come up to the quarter hour mark once again, and we have a fairly short segment to finish up the show, and we'll just talk about whatever comes to mind. And so this is Gordon Bennett, and we'll be right back after this short break with our guest, Stephanie Skaggs. Business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. What does a visual workplace mean to you? How does it contribute to operational excellence? And what steps do you take to put it powerfully in place? Listen to The Visual Workplace, work that makes sense to find out. Each week, Dr. Gwendolyn Galsworth, visual workplace expert and award-winning author, shares tools and strategies to help you make the workplace speak at a glance without saying a word. Learn to work safer, faster, better, and at far less cost no matter what business you're in. Tune in to The Visual Workplace every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. What are the reasons that over three-quarters of small businesses fail within three years? Why do 70% of U.S. women-owned businesses make less than $50,000 a year? What causes mid-sized companies to stagnate? Although today many fundamentals of business remain the same, there are critical current changes that are not being acknowledged, and the result is costly. Tune in to Moving Forward with host Jen Sabin. We'll discuss the core reasons and plans of action to keep your business moving forward. Listen Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. This is Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life with Gordon Bennett. To speak with Gordon and this week's guest, please call into our program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to goreben32 at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Hello again, this is Gordon Bennett. And my guest, Stephanie Skaggs, we're talking about money, jobs, health, and other issues of life. We're mainly talking about jobs uh, this hour, and we all are concerned about that. A lot of people want to be their own boss, and they think about going into business for themselves. But before we go on, I have to plug my own book. I wrote a book a couple of years ago called Give Yourself a Raise, How to Have More Money Less Stress and Financial Freedom, and it's available on my website, which is ptff.net, ptff.net, or on amazon.com. Everything in the book can be downloaded, or almost everything is the fundamentals of personal finance. A little far afield from what we're talking about today, but I had to get that two cents worth in. 
Um, I had a couple other questions. Uh, what has your experience been with age? Young people, old people, middle-aged people? Is, is there any age that's better to start a business than others? Well, I, I think it somewhat depends on the type of business. Um, you know, I think that, believe it or not, uh, more recently than, than in probably previous decades, younger people are taking the plunge into small business ownership, mainly in a lot of the technical fields or the, you know, the, the higher paced technology areas, uh, than necessarily the more mainstream brick and mortar type of businesses. And, uh, you know, younger people are being very, very successful in those types of, of businesses, the technology-oriented ones. What I find, at least in my consulting practice when I am, you know, in consulting with small business owners and entrepreneurs is that uh, a lot of the people that I am consulting with are um, in the more middle-aged uh, range that perhaps they've had business experiences with, uh, you know, being employed by somebody else and they really want to take the plunge into, you know, directing their own destiny and taking their own lives in their hands. And so they've decided that they're going to be small business owners themselves. Uh, And that's, like I said, a a lot of times they've had employment situations with other companies. And uh, in some cases they've already amassed somewhat of a nest egg that they're going to use towards, running the business or, you know, sustaining their livelihood while the business is getting up and running. So age itself is not a barrier to getting into a business, but it Absolutely. may be, I mean, if you're approaching retirement and have an ample nest egg, you may not want to risk it, but you may have a lot of experience and your idea of consulting as an outsourcer may be very good. On the other hand, if you're 20 years old and got a lot of ideas, you may have trouble getting the money. So... I guess it depends on what kind of business you're going to go into. It does. I think it really depends on what type of business because, for example, I've seen quite a number of younger individuals who have started Internet businesses or businesses that are pretty much focused online, which do not, they they generally do not require a lot of capital to get up and running. It's more kind of the sweat equity or, you know, if they know how to program and design websites and stuff like that that they've done very well. In fact, um, my son, who is very computer savvy, one of the things that he did when he was in high school to make money was he helped develop um, businesses, business Facebook pages. And you know, every time my computer's acting up, I want to find a good 10-year-old. <laughs> exactly. They really know what they're doing. Yeah, youngsters, they don't have a fear of technology at all. You know, they're just willing to dive in there and just try to figure something out, you know, whereas probably pe- people of our generation is like, ooh, something's broke. Well, ooh, I don't really, should I push that button? Or, you know, I don't really know exactly what they're asking me to do here. I probably better not mess with it, you know. But the younger I- uh, generation, they have no problem just diving in and trying something. Yeah, I once tried to teach my father-in-law how to use his computer, and I said, first of all, let's turn it off. And he said, how do you turn it off? And I said, you push, push the start button. It was down. It was downhill from there. Yeah, exactly. Ne- but it's so intuitive to these young people yeah. today. I mean, yeah. things that I struggle with are very, very uh, intuitive is the word. How about sex? Uh, I noticed in today's Wall Street Journal that fully one-third of all new lawyers and doctors are women. 
Yeah. How do you find women do them in uh, the entrepreneurial sense? Well, I'll tell you, I think that a lot of times women make very good entrepreneurs, and partly that's because they really would like to have the flexibility that comes with small business ownership uh, in order to be able to raise a family and to be able to have a career as well. And so by owning your own business, you have that flexibility, or sometimes, you know, if you're raising children and you need to bring your kids to work, if you're the business owner, nobody can gripe about that, right? Whereas if you're an employee, it's kind of difficult a lot of times to say, hey, I'm going to bring my, you know, my infant to work so that I can nurse them during, uh, you know, during that time period. So, uh, you know, I think that uh, women certainly make very good entrepreneurs, and I think that they're a lot of times very willing to do whatever it takes in order to make the business work. You know, there is no glass ceiling that I have found in these small businesses. If you can do the work, you can get the pay. Right. And uh, I think a lot of big companies are starting to find that out, that uh, they have to be a little more flexible. Um, How about backgrounds? Is there any particular educational or uh background that one has that particularly suits them for the small business environment. Uh, I would think the ability to get along with people is one of them. But Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. You know, we kind of talked about some of the personality traits in terms of being a, a self-starter and, you know, a go-getter and confident and uh, persistent and that sort of thing. But I, I think in terms of education-wise, a lot of times, small business owners aren't necessarily ones with the advanced degrees unless they're, you know, in a specific field where you require that, like a doctor or a lawyer or something like that. Um, but a lot of times, entrepreneurs are not necessarily um, formally educated. However, I might point out that it, I think it really, to make a good small business owner, you have to be teachable. You have to be willing to learn things that you might not already know, not necessarily from a formal education, you know, getting a degree standpoint, but, uh, you know, in terms of even self-teaching your, 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 know, yourself, things that you need to know in order to successfully run a business, whether that's in the finance area where you're trying to understand what financial statements mean or, you know, um, pricing and, and uh, you know, just, planning businesses and and project planning and that sort of thing. So I think you have to be teachable. I think that's very good. I think about my own plumber. I have a plumber on call all the time. Everybody does, of course, if you own a house. And uh, uh, he he runs his own business, and he has no formal education other than the plumbing trade school, but he has good business sense. And uh, he also has more money than God. But Yeah. uh, I'd rather see an ambulance in my driveway than the plumber. Right. So, because, I mean, there's an example. Look around you and see the basic things that you need in life. That's a good place to start. One of the things we haven't mentioned today, and I don't think we really have time to get into it, uh, I know that uh, I think a lot of times a good starting business is a franchise, if it's a well-run franchise and a well-known franchise, because a lot of the issues and legal requirements and things are taken care of in advance. But you have to be very, very careful that you get into a franchise that really is successful and that you can afford it and are willing to do the work. Uh, you want to comment on that? I absolutely agree. I think franchises can be a great way to get into business ownership, but you need to carefully, carefully vet out the franchise um, corporation, you know, the backbone behind it, because there are some that may be franchised too early and they really haven't 
proven their concept well enough that it can sustain itself in, in you know, other markets. So I think you really have to vet it out before you take the plunge. You know, Stephanie, we've talked about a lot of things in this hour, and I want to thank you for coming on. I again want to remind people to look at Top 10 Financing. That's Top 10, the number, financing.com. Get some of the tips that Stephanie has to offer, and I best wish you the best of luck in starting a new business. And uh, again, next week, we'll be back with, uh, to visit with you. Good luck to you, Stephanie. Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Gordon. Enjoy your weekend. Take care. Bye. Bye. And for now, then, this is Gordon Bennett signing off. The hour has gone pretty quick. We're signing off, and we'll see you again next week at the same time. Give us a call. Email us. We'd love to hear from you. Goodbye now. Thank you for listening to Money, Jobs, Health, and Other Things of Life. Please join your host, Gordon Bennett, again next Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. This week, are you going to make a bad choice or a great choice with your money? Come back next week for more. 